Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're going to continue this amazing series that we've called, If God Can Use Anyone, He Can Use Me. That's a bold statement, but I tell you, this is our theme scripture. Paul was talking to a young pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, and he said this, God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before ages began. I think it's important to know, and you maybe never have heard a message like this, but it's important because I was saved for many years and never really focused on this, but you are not only saved, but you are also called. Can I hear a good amen today? God calls you and it's a holy calling. Now, as soon as you hear the word holy, people disqualify themselves and say, well, I can't be holy. And it is true. You cannot be holy on your own. That's religion. Religion is doing a bunch of works to try to earn God's holiness and it doesn't work. Actually, you get exhausted. But the truth is, is that when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he imparts to you holiness. He imparts to you righteousness so I can live on the holiness that he gives me. When God requires and commands for us to live for him, what he does is he imparts to you his life so you can live for him with the life that he gave you. My friends, that is grace. That is grace. God demanding from you something that he already put in you. That's a good word, right? Religion tries to earn it from their behavior. But what happens is religion tries to come from the outside in. Grace comes from the inside out. When God changes your heart, your habits change because I cannot change myself. And the Bible says that we're not only saved, it's a holy calling. It actually means this, we're separated. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. I know we try to blend in. I know we want to feel like we belong, but the truth is you are uniquely made. You are separated for a certain purpose. And it's amazing because not only does God save us, And call us to a holy calling. But the Bible says it's for his own purpose and grace. So you have a grace. There's a grace on your life. There's a grace on my life to do this. There's a grace on your life to do what God has called you to do. And I'll tell you what. When you enter the the effortless um, uh, uh, forces and rhythms of grace, life is so much better. So I'm not trying to get something from God. I'm actually living for God what he has all, I'm living for God with what he has already given me. And the best day of your life is when you find out what your purpose is and that you are graced. And I'll tell you, Life never makes sense until you find this out. And then Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, he says, I beseech you, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk worthy of your calling. We need to walk in this calling. This is when life is the best. And so what we've been doing in this series, if you haven't been following us, is we've been looking at people throughout the Bible who God used and the people that he used and how they changed their own world. Now, here's the thing. We read about them and we're going, man, these are our heroes. Look at what they did. But at the time when God called them, they would probably tell you that they didn't feel like a hero. They actually felt more like an underdog. Most of the time, God had to actually convince people that they could do it because they felt so inadequate, right? And that was how they saw themselves that God actually had to convince them that he could use them. So they had this underdog mentality. 
And what happens sometimes is we can identify with that underdog mentality. But what happens is we can have this mentality that underdogs do is we start making excuses about why God can't use our lives. So week one, we talked about Paul. Paul had a horrible past. He's called the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the Bible. But what's interesting is that his past, he actually killed people. He actually was responsible for murdering Christians. And yet God used his past as a platform. And sometimes we don't really realize that. We have the pain of our past. We're paralyzed by our past. But God wants to use your past as a, as a platform for you to preach. Can I hear a good amen today? Last week, before uh, Chris's message last week, the week before that, part two, we talked about David who killed Goliath. And we said, what could his excuse be? And his excuse could be that he was rejected. He was rejected by not only his father, he was rejected by his brothers. But how many of you know he wasn't rejected by God? Come on, somebody. Just because people reject you doesn't mean God's rejecting you. You need to detach that from people. Some of you, people are hurting you. That's not God. That's just people. And how many of you know, don't look at your neighbor, people can be weird. People can be mean. People can be hurtful. But that doesn't mean that that's what God is doing to you. And so he was rejected by his dad. He was rejected by his brothers right before Goliath. But here's what David realized. He realized that the rewards are greater than the risks and the rewards are greater than the pain of rejection. Now today, we're going to look at another underdog. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. Now up until now, all of the underdogs that we have looked at were male. Today, ladies, where are my ladies at? Come on, where are my ladies at? Come on, let me hear you. Come on, holler at me like you holler at your husband. Come on, somebody. Come on, holler. Where are you ladies at? Come on. Today, we're going to look at some ladies. We're going to look at a lady, and we have another one that's coming up, right? But I think, first off, we need to realize, for some of you ladies, your first is excuse. Your first excuse is, I'm not the right gender. I'm just not, God used, look at the pastor, he's, he's, he's male. But I'm going to show you today that God uses women mightily. And because God uses women mightily in the scriptures, we here at Passion Life Church, let it be said, we love strong women. Come on, somebody. We love women and we are going to empower women to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to talk about women in ministry when we talk about our, our next lady this next time. But today, I just want to give an overview. We are going to look at a woman today that turned a city upside down. One person turned a city upside down. And it wasn't a male. It was a female. And God used one person. How many of you believe that God can still use one person? He can use you, right? Now, this person, this underdog, is not a person that you would have picked or I would have picked. But guess what? God picked her. John chapter four, verse three says this. And he, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Shekar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus was there being wearied from his journey. Now I want you to, I want to pause here and I want you to think about that. Jesus is in his physical body. He's been traveling and he is tired. Now, I'm going to ask you real quick to grab your seatbelt and put it on your chair. 
because I'm going to speak today, if it's okay with you, on multiple levels. And I think because of your maturity, you can get it. Can I hear a good amen today? But I want you today to pull down your harness and get ready because today is going to blow your mind and it's going to bless you. Can I hear a good amen today? So Jesus is tired, right? He was in his physical body, so he comes to a well. Verse 7, I mean, the Bible says it was at the sixth hour. This means it's about 12 noon. So he's hungry and he's tired. Verse 7, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Now today I want to talk to you and I've entitled today's today's message the word of a woman. The word of a woman. This is interesting and I think something that we can overlook about Jesus um, when he was on the earth in his earthly ministry is that I think we can overlook that actually Jesus on the earth he actually pursued people but not like in a creepy way he pursued people. Can I give you an example? Jesus would get in a boat and tell the disciples, I'm going to go to the other side. They went to the other side for one man who was demon possessed. Jesus set him free, got back in the boat and went to the other side of the sea. He pursued one man for freedom. God cares about one person. Jesus pursued his disciples. He literally picked them by name. He went to where they were at and called them. Just like you, he's pursued you and he's called you by name because you are saved and what? Called, right? Think about all the way back to creation. What happened? Adam sinned. What did God do? God could have left him there, but God comes in the garden pursuing Adam, and he says this to Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you. Come on, just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, God's looking for you. God's looking for you. He's, he wants you. He wants you to be a part of his team. And I say that, I think it's so important because he pursued you even before you knew to pursue him. Yeah. Before we ever thought to ask God, he was the first one that it was always drawing you to himself because he loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. But here's why he pursues us. He pursues us so we can seek him and follow him. And this is the same in this story that I just read. Jesus said he was going to Galilee, but he told his disciples, I need to go to Samaria. He says, I need to go to Samaria. Now, you got to understand something about uh, Samaria. Samaria is not a place that the Jews would like to go. And some would not even go there because the, the Jews and the Samaritans did not like each other. I want to tell you, there was some real hate. There was no appreciate. It was all hate. The, the Jews actually felt like the Samaritans were a hybrid. They were, they were like a half-breed because some of them actually mixed in with some of the people from Babylon. And so they worshiped other gods. So the Jews were like, we do not want to be a part of them. So they did not like the Samaritans. So for Jesus to say, I'm going to go to Samaria, the disciples were like, what? Now, this is important because he says, I have to go 
to Samaria. Now, actually, there's two ways to get to Judah, to Galilee. And one of, you, one of them takes you up the Jordan River. So it's like soft and flat. But the other one is in the mountains and it goes over hills. And yet what I love about Jesus is he takes the road that's less travel. Why does Jesus do this? Why is Jesus going to Samaria when he doesn't have to? Because of one woman. One woman. Are you ready for today's message? He went for this woman because she was thirsty and she was hungry. One of the things that you will see in Jesus's ministry, he loves hanging out with people who are thirsty and hungry. The reason why he left where he was is because he was talking with some Pharisees. The Pharisees were religious people. They were not thirsty. They were not hungry. You know why? Because they were full of themselves. They were full of religion. So Jesus walks away from people who don't need him, and he will travel out of his way. He will rearrange his travel schedule for one person who is thirsty and is hungry. And it just so happens to be this woman. And I pray, my church family, that Jesus finds us thirsty and hungry in this congregation. Can I hear a good amen? Can I tell you a little secret? Because I like to preach to people who are thirsty and hungry too. It's hard to preach to people that are like this. Do you know that the more thirsty you are, the more hungry that you are, that you draw more out of me when you are thirsty? Because the Holy Spirit always meets people at the point of their thirst. The Bible says, if you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be filled. So when someone is thirsty, Jesus goes. That's why he hung out with a lot of sinners. Not because he condoned their behavior, but because they knew they needed something that he had. And so he goes and he sits by this well and this woman comes and she needs water. And Jesus starts up a conversation with her and he asks her this. First, he says, hey, would you give me a drink of water? Now, she, like the amazing woman that she is, analyzes with her sixth sense that women have that this dude could be hitting on me. And I'm going to tell you why, because she realizes he's got no bucket to draw the water. So she thinks, hmm, what's, what's going on here? And he says, can you, and then she says, you have no, you have nothing to draw with, right? And he asks her for a drink of water. Listen, my church family, God will often ask you for something that you don't have to create a thirst in you that will draw you back to him. What am I saying is that he asked her for a drink of water. He did not have a bucket. She had a water pot, but it was not filled. And he's asking her for water that she has not drawn yet. Why was he doing that? Because he wanted to create a thirst in her. What God does is this is exactly what we read. He says, be holy. And you're like, what? I'm not holy. So what we do, what do we do? That creates a thirst in us to come back to him to say, yep, the only way you can be holy is when I make you holy. And he's setting her up. Come on, everybody say it's a setup. What she doesn't know is she's blown away that he's actually even talking to her because number one, she's a female, he's a male, but number two, he's a Jew and she is a Samaritan. 
So Jesus is actually even willing to go past cultural barriers, right? Gender barriers for someone who is thirsty. And he's about to tell her something she doesn't know. See, because what this woman doesn't know, and you know what? A lot of people don't know this either. This woman didn't know that there was a different kind of water that her spirit and her soul needed. It wasn't just a physical type of water. Now, what we're going to find out about this woman She was a woman who she only lived at the surface level of her life. So many people only live at the surface level. They never go deeper into the spirit level. Can I hear a good amen today? We live according to our five cents because it's real. We, we want to see, we want to smell, we want to touch. We could, I could pull up to my house, open the door of my truck, and I can tell what my wife is cooking. Mmm, that's bacon. I know what it smells like. I eat it because I'm so used to that living in my sense realm. But in the spirit, it's the same way. Many of us need to be more aware of what God is doing so we can walk into a situation and recognize what's going on. Can I hear a good amen today? But she was living at a surface level, and many people do. So she is going to draw water for her physical needs, right? For her physical needs. Now, here's what Jesus is going to reveal to her, and he's going to reveal to us, is that her problems, and actually even the reasons why she's there at that time, her problems stem from drinking from the wrong well. Many people struggle with this today, and it's the reason I think a lot of people are empty and they're thirsty spiritually is because they're drinking from the wrong well. See, Jesus, what he's going to offer her is living water, and she catches on. There's a lot in this chapter, so I'm going to just highlight a couple things because there is this, this, this chapter is so meaty and it's so good. But I just want to highlight a couple of things because Jesus is going to offer her living water. That's where the conversation goes. And what I love about it is she's humble enough to realize that what this guy has, I need. He starts talking to her about a water that will make her thirst no more. And she's smart. She says, you know what? I want that water. She's not only smart, she's humble. How do I know she's humble? She's admitting to Jesus that she doesn't have something and he has something that she needs. She is acknowledging her need. I need living water. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus asks her, so where's your husband? Well, that was a real quick switch. I'm going to give you this living water, but I need to know first, where's your husband? Now, this is what Jesus does and he will do in our life. He often identifies the well that you're drinking from. See, let's go deeper. This woman, when Jesus asks her that, she says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you are right to say that you have no husband. Actually, you've had five husbands. Everybody say that, five husbands. Five husbands, and the one you're living with is not your husband's. Five plus one equals what? Six men in her life that she has. So let me break this down. She is drinking from the well, and her well happens to be men. Now, I want you to understand something. I am not here today to put this woman down and condemn her because this just happens to be the well that she's drinking from. For some of us, it's a different well. 
For some of us, we're drinking from a different well. And here's number one, we need to identify which well we're drawing from. See, because it's possible to have living water inside of you, but you're not drinking from it. It's possible to have living water on the inside of you, but you're not drawing from it. And I hear a good amen today. And here's what's happened. Here's what the confusion comes in. And I think it's important to identify the well that you're drinking from because people will always continue to thirst when they drink from the wrong well. I think a lot of people are here. You have Jesus on the inside of us. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have living water inside of you that when you receive Jesus, it came into your life. But the question is, what well are you drinking from? What well are you drinking from? Because some of us are still thirsty, even emotionally. Why is that? Because we're drinking from the wrong well. So her well was relationships with men. Her well was she believed and she expected that a marriage to a man would have certain results that would satisfy her longing to belong. She believed it was a man that could affirm her, approve her. She thought a man would satisfy her spiritual and emotional needs. And you know what? She was drawing from the wrong well. So when the first man didn't meet her expectations, and she still felt lonely. She still felt like she needed approval and affirmation. She broke that off and she went to the next man because she thought, well, you know what? This is the well that I need to drink from. And my church family, after six, she's still not happy. She's still not satisfied. Let me say it this way. She's still thirsty. She's still thirsty, right? So for some people, It's not a man that they're drawing from. For some people, even though you have living water on the inside, you're drinking from the well of worry. Power on the inside of you, peace on the inside of you, but that's not what you draw from. You draw from the well of worry. And here's here's the deception. You think by drawing from that well, it's going to hydrate you, but it actually dehydrates you. It actually dehydrates you. That's why we think if I worry, something's going to happen. Something good's going to, you know, I need to worry. Jesus actually said the opposite. In Luke chapter 12, verse 25, he says, listen to these words. Who of you by worrying can add? But we think by drinking from the well of worry, we're adding, but we're actually subtracting. Can I hear a good amen today? And this is why you can drink from the well of fear. How many of you, nothing good comes from fear. And instead of it hydrating you, you're actually dehydrated because we're drinking from the wrong well. So I'm not here to put her down because some of us are doing the same thing. We're just drinking from a different well. Come on, can I hear a better amen from that? And so what I thought was interesting is, you know, you can drink things even physically and still be dehydrated. I was thinking about the symptoms of physical hydration. I thought this is kind of interesting. Do you know that when you're dehydrated physically, listen to these symptoms, because I wonder if these symptoms could also be spiritually. When you are dehydrated, number one, you're never satisfied. You're still thirsty. You're still thirsty. Watch this. All right, here we go. All right. Mood swings. Fatigue. Cognitive impairment from being physically dehydrated. Headaches. Oh, here we go. Rapid heartbeat, right? And what doctors say 
is that a hydration imbalance actually puts stress on your body that causes the brain to divert much of its focus to try to fix it. And then it adds exhaustion on top of that. And I wonder if this could be the same spiritually. We have living water flowing through us, but we don't draw from it. So we're spiritually still dehydrated. See, I learned from this. I learned, I learned the hard way back when I was a youth pastor. One of my jobs in Toms River, New Jersey, in Bricktown, New Jersey, when I worked at the church, I was not only the youth pastor, but I was the gardener, all right? And this is not a good thing for me, okay? Because I am not a handyman. Well, I kind of am, right? If you're fixing something and you say, hey, can you hand me the wrench? I could hand you the wrench. So I am a handyman technically. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, encourage me today. And so they gave me this tractor. And so I went out there in the heat. And it was like, I don't know, in in New Jersey, humidity is just like crazy. I mean, you feel like you're always wearing wet clothes. How many of you know what humidity is? So it was like 100 degrees and I don't know, 80 degrees humidity. And I'm on this tractor. It's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sweating. One of my friends drives by. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to go get you something to drink. I'm like, thank you. Well, he brings me back a Coke. Coca-Cola. I'm like, I love Coke. Caffeine. Mm, yeah. So I drink it. But if you don't know this about Coke, caffeine can dehydrate you big time. So I'm on this thing drinking my Coke. I'm like, yeah, everything's good. And I think I'm getting hydrated and refreshed when I'm actually doing more damage. And so what happened was I got so dehydrated because I drank that Coke and I was out in the sun. I had to go to the hospital. And so that dehydration actually turned into three days of heat stroke. But here's what I'm trying to say. We can drink from a well that we think is getting us and, um, and satisfying us when it's actually doing the opposite. Can I hear a good amen today? And this is what, what she's doing. And so she was trying to f- uh, use physical means to satisfy a spiritual thirst. And for some of us, our well isn't maybe worry. All right, I'm going to go here, Jesus, today. The mercy of you is so new today. For some of you, it's not worry. For some of you, it's not fear. The well you draw from is social media. Six hours on, on, and you're just as unsatisfied as you were when you plugged in. Now listen, I'm not against marriage. I'm not against relationships. I'm not against social media. My church family, when it becomes your well, you are deceiving yourself because it doesn't have the kind of results that you thought it would. And you end up empty, right? Social media. For some people, it's negative relationships. You know, the Bible says that Death and life are in the power of our tongue, in our tongue. But can I just say this? Your death and life are also in the power of your friend's tongue. You know, last week we were out in Colorado at a healing conference. It was four or five days of just pure healing. It was so powerful. One of the speakers got up and he was talking about this very thing. He said that a family member that um, he, he knew, was very close with, he prayed for, and they were having all these types of symptoms. I don't even know if it was cancer or whatever, but he prayed and all of the symptoms went away. That's pretty amazing. But this person went back and started hanging out with their, their old friends. And in that, when these ladies got together, it was more of a gossip party, come on, than an encouraging party. And so they were all just speaking death. Guess what happened? All of the symptoms came back to her. Because death and the life are not only in the power of our tongue, but I'm making sure that I'm not drawing from death from people's mouths, and that's going to be my well. Can I hear a good amen today? 
And so what happens if we're not careful is this, what I call this principle of transference. I don't know if you've ever heard of the principle of transference. It states this, if we don't trust Jesus to meet our deepest needs, we will automatically transfer those expectations to those who are close enough, or close to us. And you know what it is? It's because we're drinking from the wrong, wrong well. Can I just encourage you as, as those of you that are married? See, a lot of people are, their well is they're in love with being in love. Before I, I got married to my wife, I dated some people and, um, and I had to make this decision because there were certain girls I knew they were in love with the idea of marriage. They were in love with love, but I didn't know if they were in love with me because the well wasn't actually the relationship. The well was the idea of the Walt Disney Beauty and the Beast. Come on, somebody, right? Sleeping Beauty. That's what they're drawing from. But in the hard times, my church family, if this woman doesn't draw from the well that is Jesus, we aren't gonna make it. And so people ask me all the time, you know, do you love your wife? Absolutely, I love my, my wife. Absolutely, does she encourage me? Yes, but she's not my well. God is my well that I draw from. I draw this living water, and I hope that she doesn't feel like I'm her well, because here's what happens in marriage counseling. I talk with people where the wife just looks at the husband, and she's all going for it, and the husband's like this. And you could tell, I mean, he looks like a raisin because the wife has sucked the life out of him. And she's like, he don't do this. He don't do that. He don't. And he's like, I mean, every time she talks, it's like he's like being vacuum sucked in. And what happens? Our spouse becomes the well of life and we drain the life out of them. But can I just encourage you? Until you drink from the right well, and you don't identify that well, the best marriage is two people who are in love with God. Because when you are in love with God, you can love each other. Can I hear a good amen today? Can I hear a better amen today? Now, I wanna, why, why am I spending some time with this before we, we, we pivot to the next point? The well that you draw from will determine where you go and when you go, this woman was coming out at 12 noon during the hottest time. Why? Because she was trying to avoid other women because of her reputation. She didn't have a good reputation. So she actually started to schedule her visits to the well because she was drinking from the wrong well. Are you understanding? But listen, this is what I love. When she got there, Jesus was waiting for her. He was waiting for her. And the great news is that Jesus was willing to break through the culture barriers, the gender, gender barriers to give this woman, even though she was drinking from the wrong well, Jesus met her right where she was at. Is anybody thankful that God meets us right where we were at? Come on, if you are, give him a good round of applause. So here's where I wanna focus. I wanna focus on what Jesus said to her. Are you glad you came to church today? And I hope that today you will identify your well so you're not dehydrated, you're satisfied. Here's what Jesus said. He told her, if you knew the gift of God, one translation says this, if you knew how generous God was. See, if we knew how generous God was, we wouldn't ask so little. If we knew how generous God was, we would pray big prayers. Can I hear a good amen today? He says, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me for a drink. Jesus is letting her know and letting us know. Watch this. One drink. Everybody say one drink. 
One drink, my church family, of living water can do for her what six other men could not do. One drink from that living water could do more for her than what six men could not do. Do you mind if I go a little bit deeper? See, she had been with six men. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he is the seventh man in her life. In the Bible, numbers are very significant. Seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of satisfaction. Do you remember? During creation, what did God do? He spent six days creating. On the seventh day, he rested. Why? Because it was completed. And so when she comes in, in touch and in, in in, in contact with the seventh man, there is a completion. My church family, listen to me. Everybody look at me. You are complete in Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, say it with me. Say, I am complete in Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't grow. It doesn't mean that we don't renew our mind. But listen, you are not lacking. Come on, somebody. God loves you. You belong. He's the one that wants to affirm your life. And this is what he says in John 4. 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He was pointing to Jacob's well that had physical water in it. And he says, whoever drinks of this, you'll thirst again. When you drink from the wrong well, you will thirst again. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give, you will never thirst again. See, Jacob's well to the earth, Jacob's well was to the earth what Jesus's well is to your spirit. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you living water. This word in the Greek means this, vital power in itself. And it's exerting the same upon the soul, fresh, full of vigor. Listen, fullness of life. And you only get it from this living water. Only get it from this living water. Now, here's what's great. And I love this story since we're talking about if God can use anyone, he can use me. She takes a drink. How do we drink this? The word drink in the Greek actually means receive. You receive. But your receiving is dictated by your believing. Do you believe that this living water can bring dead things to life? Do you believe that this living water can truly satisfy your soul? Do you believe that this living water can complete you? My church family, do you believe that this living water can heal your physical body? Can I hear a good amen today? And I think that's important because our ability to give is only limited by our capacity to drink the water of life. But here's number two. When she drinks this, and here's what happens to you. When I drink living water, Now I become a well. Now I become a well. This word, well, Jesus said in John 4, 14, but the water I shall give him will become in him, say in me, in him, a fountain of water springing up. So it's a spring, right? So watch this. Now, when I drink of the living water, my life becomes a well. My life becomes a well. And here's number three. When you drink of this water, not only do you become a well, but here's what happens to her. There's a whole new power and purpose to your life. Watch this. One drink of this living water. The Bible says in John 4, 28, the woman left her water pot. Listen to that. The woman then left her water pot and she went away into the city and said to the men and said to the men and said to the men, come on, see a man who told me the things 
that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Here's what happens is she leaves her water pot and now she heads to the city. Remember, she was hiding from people. But when you take a drink of the living water, you won't hide anymore from those people. Those people actually become a mission for you. Those, mission, those people, and she loses her shame. She gets healed in, in an instant. Now, for some people, this is a process, but for her, this is an instant miracle. She turns her back on her shame. She heads right to the city, and she walks in and talks to the men and say, hey, I met a man. And I bet you're like, yeah, you did, I know. No, this isn't like any other man I've ever met. He told me everything about my life. My church family, aren't you grateful that God knows everything about our life and he still pursues us? Aren't you grateful that he knows everything about our life and he still loves us? Are you thankful that he knows everything about our life and he still wants to save us and call us and use us for his purposes? Can I hear a good amen today? This living water wiped away her shame. And today, as I close, I want to focus on one thing. I've read this story so many times, but I think it's important when you read the Bible, you allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate things to you. I love reading for quantity, but I I really like reading for quality better. There's sometimes I will stop and just read and say, what are you trying to show me, Holy Spirit? How many of you know that this was breathed on and inspired by the Holy Spirit? And that same Holy Spirit, as you read the word, can bring a word to you. Can I hear a good amen today? And the Bible says this, and I actually believe that this is the whole purpose of what Jesus was trying to tell us. She left her water pot. My church family, that water pot that she left, it was just a symbol. It was a symbol of what she used to fulfill her physical needs, and she left it. In other words, what she was using to draw from this well for her physical needs was no longer gonna be used. I wanna just go a little bit deeper because see, the water pot that she used was for her physical thirst. But you don't need a water pot when your life becomes a well. You don't need a water pot when you're a fountain. You don't got to draw from the things that you were drawing on because it's already in you and it's a fountain. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And I found, watch this, I found she left the water pot at Jesus' feet. Leave it. You don't need it. You are now a fountain. But watch this. This living water was so satisfying to her that it it was an indication that natural appetites will not dictate and control my life. I don't have to go from man to man to man to man to man anymore. I am free because there is a fountain of living water that is on the inside of us. And what happens is, this is a whole revelation of what Jesus was trying to get to us, is that the fountain inside of you that is inside of your spirit, hear me, my church family, the fountain the power that is on the inside of your spirit. Listen, it has the power to go beyond and satisfy you to the point where your physical, listen, your physical, thank you, I I appreciate that. Your physical 
appetites no longer dictate your life. Listen, she was thirsty. It didn't matter. Now she went and was doing the will of the Father. At this time, Jesus was sitting at the well, and the disciples come back. They see this, that he's talking at this woman, talking with this woman. She leaves her water pot. She runs, and he come, they come back with food. Because remember, Jesus was what? Tired, right? It was lunchtime. Jesus spent his lunch talking to a woman when physically he was actually hungry. And the disciples come back and say, hey, here, eat. We brought you some food. Come on. There's $5 Subway footlongs. Here, have one. We got one for you. And Jesus says, listen, I have food, watch, that you don't know of. And they're like, what? Somebody come by. Does somebody door dash in here? And we didn't, we didn't pick this up. And Jesus said this, listen to me, my church family. He says, my meat is to do the will of the Father. Are you ready? What he was saying is that the meat of the word of God and doing the will of God actually was more important that it, it satisfied me where my physical appetite didn't dictate what I had to do or where I would go. Listen, I think this is important because Jesus did the same thing. Remember when he was in the desert, he was being tempted, no food for 40 days, my church family. What did he tell the devil? He said, man shall not live by bread alone. How did Jesus not eat physically and still resist temptation? He did it because he was, he was satisfied on his inside that actually affected his decisions on the outside. Pastor Phil, I cannot overcome temptation. That's because you're living by bread alone. And the Bible says that Jesus went 40 days without food. And watch this. He came out in the power of the spirit. Because there is a truth here, my church family, that when you draw from the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. And Jesus comes out not only not giving into temptation, not eating, but because he had a different kind of food. He was drinking from a different fountain. And I came to tell you today, that fountain is on the inside of you. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can I hear a better amen today? And what I'm saying is if you will draw from that fountain from within, you will find out that you will not give in to your physical appetites all the time. This is really what fasting is. Fasting is saying, listen, body, you will not dictate to me what I do. You are not going to run my life. I am going to live for whatever the next two or three days off my spirit. And I'm going to, and this is what it does. It crucifies your flesh. See, fasting is not trying to get something from God. Literally, fasting is just really pushing away different things so you can hear God better. So you start to live from the fountain within. You start to live from the right well and stop drawing from the wrong well. Are you understanding today? And she receives a whole new purpose and a whole new power that she's able to stand, that the people who she looked to, to affirm her, it didn't matter anymore. Because when Jesus affirms you, when Jesus tells you that he is that you are his own. It doesn't matter what people think. My church family, I called this 
the word of a woman, and I want to end here. See, there's a part of your calling that you become a pipeline and a fountain of living water to other people. And this living water had the power to transform a whole city. And all the men, the Bible says, came out to meet Jesus. Listen to this. John 4, 39, we end here. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed him because of what? Because of what? Because of the word of a woman that had life coming out. He told me everything I did. Jesus actually stayed in Samaria two more days because of one woman that was thirsty. And I wanted to encourage you today because I don't know what excuse you have of why God can't use you and call you. But I'm going to tell you, being married six times, I think that could be a little bit of a hindrance. I meet people who are divorced one time and they feel like their life is over. My church family, God forgives and he forgets and he moves on and he saved you and he called you. And the Bible says the gifts of God are without repentance. Can I hear a good amen today? And so her excuse could have been, I'm all used up. I'm all used up. But when you drink of the living water, my church family, your life becomes a well that begins to affect other people. A whole city was transformed because a woman realized, you know what? If God could use anyone, he could use me. God used a woman who had six husbands and totally transformed her life and totally transformed a city. Can we give him a great round of applause today? Come on, let's pray together. Would you stand? Did you learn something today? Would you bow your heads and let's pray? What I want to do before we leave, because I know that you, you set this time aside to come here. I think we should maximize it. And I'm just going to keep you two more minutes, but I want you to close your eyes today. And I just would ask that the Holy Spirit today would illuminate to you what well that you've been drawing from. Jesus said, my words are, are spirit and life. So his words in us is what sprouts this fountain. But my church family, you got to draw from it. You got to draw from it. Nothing satisfies like Jesus. Nothing will complete you like him. And when you are a fountain, when your life becomes a pipeline, you see relationships different. You see your marriage different. You see your kids different. You see your whole job differently. But Lord, we pray right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, that right now, Father, that we would receive and draw from the life, the living water, the rivers of living water. Father, I pray that every area that needs to be hydrated in our lives, in our mind, our hearts, our soul, our body, may this living water rush through healing, Father, our bodies today, for those that need healing, for those of you that are, are need emotional healing today, that God, 
And this living water would touch your heart and your mind. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Fill people up, God. Make our lives a fountain to make a difference in this world. We draw from that. Lord, we repent today from drawing from other things that we know just don't satisfy. Lord, we want to be full of living water today. We want to draw from living water today. We thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we never like to close out a Passion Life Church service with giving you the opportunity to receive Jesus in your heart. You know, Jesus is pursuing you. There's not, it's not a coincidence you came today. What he wants to do is he just wants you to realize that you have a thirst. And he wants you to realize that you need him. And when this woman did, she asked for a drink. And today your life will never be the same when you allow Jesus to come inside your heart. And how do we do that? The Bible says that if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, faith starts in your heart, but it is expressed through your mouth. And so today, if you would like to invite Jesus into your heart, if you are ready for God to forgive you of all your sins, man, if God can forgive her, he can forgive us. He can forgive you. And today, he wants you to know that you're saved and your call. He wants you to have a new power and a new purpose for your life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never invited Jesus to come inside your heart, would you just say this prayer after me? Repeat after me. Our whole family is going to say it so you don't feel alone. Say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart. Fill me with living water. I want to become a fountain of living water to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.